Welcome to the Living Hope Parent Gathering podcast. The Parent Gathering is a weekly meeting of parents who are being trained for family discipleship through instruction and small group discussion. Listen now as we share with you what we taught students this past Sunday morning. So each, each week um, we spend some time talking about what our children are learning and then we've been going through um, some training in a book that I've really been enjoying. Um, it's called 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity and really looking at some of these issues that we as, as parents are, uh, are looking at. Um, <clears throat> so elementary we're going to look at is in Psalm 103 this morning. Um, middle school and high school is, are actually going through this same training material. So middle school is doing the same lesson that we're going to talk about this morning. Um, high school is a little bit ahead. Um, we are talking about chapter 8 in this book, which is the title of is, Why Does It Matter If I'm a Boy or a Girl? And so I'm um, talking about the whole issue of transgenderism and gender and, and all, of those, uh, all those things, which, friends, whether we like it or not, these questions are being thrown on our kids. And so as parents, as Christian parents, we need to be able to have these conversations and answer these questions. If we're honest, we probably would not like these questions to come up at the age and at the stage that they are. But because they're at that place and because these questions, even if they're in you know, homeschool or Christian school, th these questions are coming at them. And so we need to be able to answer them. And so let me say a word of prayer this morning and then we'll dive into, uh, dive into God's word. Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity to gather together today, Lord, to, um, to open your word with other parents. Um, Father, I pray as we parent this week, God, that you would give us a, a huge amount of grace and peace as we seek to lead our family well. Um, God, we pray that our children would know you and not just know about you, but that they would know you deeply and that they would love you um, and they would follow your ways. Um, and God, we pray that this is a lifelong mission and not just something that they do because they're in our home. God, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. Um, God, we pray that you would lead us and, and guide us today. God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Psalm 103 um, is a beautiful psalm, um, and it's focusing on this idea of praising God for what he has done, for the ways that he is at work. And so the, the first uh, verse says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And then the idea of this psalm is to um, thank God for, for what he has done. Verse 2 is, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. I hope in your home you talk about the benefits of following Jesus. That you talk about the joy of what it means to follow after Jesus, of, of what the Christian life is like and the joy that is in that and, and point to God to, to thank, for, thank you, to thank Him for the things that He has done. So in, in verses 2 to 5 it talks about um, <clears throat> thanking Him because He forgives us, He heals us, He rescues us, He shows mercy. In verses 6 to 10, it talks about um, thanking him because of his works of righteousness and of grace, that he is slow to, to judge and slow to be angry. Um, verses 11 to 14, it talks about his greatness in forgiving us and having compassion on us. In verses 15 to 18, it talks about the fact that God is, is permanent. 
God is eternal. God is holy. But we as people are not. We are a little bit like grass. And if you've looked outside in the scorching summer Kentucky heat, I don't know how your grass looks. Some of it is okay if it has some shade, but a lot of it just doesn't look good. And, and it's kind of this temporary sort of thing. And, and God is pointing to the, to the reality that, that he is permanent, but we, but we are not. And then um, the end of the, of the psalm talks about his greatness is shown and his rule over the heavens and over the angels. Verse 19 says, he has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. And I love the last verse. It says, bless the Lord all of his works. In all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. And so God is at work. Um, we have opportunities to, to praise him because of the blessings that he is, is giving to us. And so this week, I hope that you spend some time as a family just pointing out, hey, you know, that's a blessing from God. Praise the Lord that he is, he is, doing, is doing that. As we, as we transition, um, talk to a neighbor and answer this question. How have you seen yourself in one of your children recently? Hopefully it's a good thing, but how have you seen yourself in one of your children? So go, go ahead and discuss with a neighbor and then we'll, we'll dive into the next thing. How have you seen yourself in your child? In your child or in your case, your grandchild. That's not good. <laughs> have you have you seen yourself in uh, in in your children recently? Um, probably my oldest. Okay. Uh, the other three are like my husband. <laughs> okay. In so every the, way. okay in every way. Is that a good thing? Uh, Most of the time. Most yeah. Of the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, she learns like me. Okay. She behaves like me. I guess I like her personality because she's like. <laughs> you two get it. You connect. You can connect. Yeah, and you just, so like, it's a good thing. I mean, yeah. her and I can connect, and she's twelve, so she's okay. into that preteen. That you stage. Know. You as a twelve-year-old is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she's a better version of how I was. You hope personally. so. Yeah. I think she is. I think okay. if I were her age, she's probably a lot more. Uh, I don't know, kind of like. Mature and in tune with just life and reality mm -hmm. than I was. Yeah. I was more kiddish, mm -hmm. and she's a lot more. Like, yeah. I mean, she's still a kid, but um, yeah. like, very wise for a twelve-year-old. Yeah, that's good. It means you're she's yeah. learning some things. You're 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 trying to teach her. That's good. So, it is fun seeing yeah. how they're alike, like us. In yes, a lot of they are <laughs> scary sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, but but good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's a it's a blessing. Yeah. <clears throat> well, good. You can uh, continue to answer that question in your in your group. I hope that uh, each time you see your child in you, that that you that you don't that it's not a scary thing. Where you're like, oh my goodness, is that how I look? Is that how I sound? Is that what I really say? I hope it's not always that way, and I hope at times there's a joy of 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 seeing um, the way that you're. Um, you know, your child is, uh, is imitating you in a, in a little bit. And, and it may be, um, I don't know how it is in, in your house, but some of my children take after me and some of them take after their mother. Um, and I would probably prefer that they would take after their mother more um, than less of me at times. But uh, 
Well, that's, that's good. So um, the question we're looking at this morning um, is, is how do we know that the Bible is true? So if you've, if you've, been, if you've grown up in church and you're kind of a church person, you, you sort of know, well, the, why do we do what we do? Well, because that's what the Bible says. Well, because the Bible says. Because the Bible says. Well, if we peel back a layer further, we've got to ask this question, well, how do we know that it's true? How, how do we know that we can trust God's Word? Because think about this. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. What if all of this wasn't true? We'd be following after something that's not true. What, what, what if it's not true? What if, uh, if, if you have a tape measure in your house, right? or a ruler, or some sort of measuring device. What if, if you cut off the first quarter inch of all of the tape measures in your house, right? And so then as you would be going to, to measure things and, and look at things and try to figure out, well, how long is something? Every time you use it, it would be wrong. Hey, will this fit in that spot? Oh, absolutely will. See, yep, it's gonna fit. And then you go to put it in, it doesn't fit. So if, if, the God, if God's word is our our guide and we can't trust it we've got some issues and we live in a world that is very distrusting of of things of of God and things of his word and so we're going to look at um, can can we trust God's word and I, I want you to let you know that I believe and I'm convinced that we can can trust the the Bible that that I can build my life on it for, for two reasons. One, and these are in no particular order, there's evidence that supports God's Word. There's evidence outside of His Word, and we're going to look at a little bit of that today, of, of things that we can look at and say, yes, this points to the truthfulness of God's Word. But the second thing is, is that God's Word has shown itself to be true and powerful in my lives and the lives of others. We have to be careful to not just go off of experience and say, well, that kind of worked for me. But also recognize that there's some, some other evidences as, uh, as well. And so I want to begin by pointing you to, to two scriptures. Um, uh, 1 Peter 1.19 says, Knowing, first of all, that all prophecy of scripture comes from one's own interpretation. For no prophecy has ever been produced by the will of man, but God but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guided the process of Scripture being recorded. Whose hand wrote the Bible? It was a human's hand. A human's hand physically wrote the Bible down the first time. But God's Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, guided that process so that as each person wrote, they wrote in their language, they wrote from their historical perspective, they wrote in their personality. Have you noticed that some of Scripture is, is very different as if it's written by a different person? You know, like, like the epistles, Paul's are very logical and he's laying out this thing, you know, and, and, and John, you know, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John are very emotional. Like, hey, do you really love Jesus? Do you care about him? And Paul is very logical. You know, the, the Psalms, man, they're like, they're like Psalms. They're, 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 they're very creative. And so they're different as if they're written by different people because they are written by different people. But God guided that that process. 2 Timothy uh, 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, meaning it has His, his essence, his, his breath, and it's profitable. It's useful for teaching, 
for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So God's word is his, is his very essence, his very breath, and it's useful to teach us, to correct us, and to equip us with what we need so that we can be equipped for everything. It's, it's useful. And so um, I'm going to ask a few, a few questions of, of, uh, of, of Scripture this morning. And so um, the first one is this. The main subject of the Bible is Jesus. All of the Old Testament points forward, talking about a Savior. A Savior is coming. He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. Two-thirds of the Bible pointing ahead. Then we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talking about the, his life here on earth. Four different men, four different perspectives, telling the same story. And then we have the rest of the New Testament pointing back to the life of Christ and saying, this is what is significant. And what's interesting with the Gospels is, um, if you have numerous children and they've been to the same event, hearing them recount that story is very different, right? They're all telling the truth, but what certain ones include and highlight and spend more time on, it's different because they have different personalities, they have different perspectives. And so, um, so the question is, so uh, Luke chapter two says, and, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. The Bible is clear, Jesus existed. What you also need to recognize is that there is a lot of evidence outside of the Bible, including by people who didn't even like Christians. They were not writing from a Christian perspective. They were not writing God's Word. They were not writing in such a way so as to promote Christianity, confirming that Jesus was a first century Jewish teacher, that he was crucified by the Romans during the reign of the Emperor Tiberius and under Pontius Pilate. There is no serious historian who will say, Jesus Christ, the person, didn't exist. Now, the debate comes in, who was he? But we know from history that he existed. The, se the second question is, can we, can we trust the, the Gospels? Were they, were they written long after Jesus' life so that they, that they can't be trusted? Now, if each of us were to write down what happened yesterday, yeah, yeah, that, we can probably figure what happened out yesterday pretty accurately. But if I said to you now, I need you to write what happened on this date 80 years ago. We're probably making up stuff. Because we weren't, we weren't alive then. We weren't, we weren't eyewitness to then. And realize at this time that when Jesus was born, most people could not read or write. There were no computers. There were no copiers, no email, no digital copies of anything, no smartphones. Some of you might think, this sounds fantastic. <laughs> um, there were no photographs or, or movie cameras. And so in that culture, people learn by listening. They listened to the teachers, to the rabbis, and then they would repeat what was said and recited it almost like a like a musician, we, you know, the, the lyrics though, would, be, it would be memorized and recited and we would, would be able to account and, and carry on what was, 
what was said because that's the way that people learn. They would have conversation, they would talk about it, and they would repeat it throughout history. And so there were many people who, who saw what, what Jesus did and they were eyewitnesses. And so um, think about what it was like to be an eyewitness to some of the accounts of the Bible. To be sitting on the, on the shore and listening to Jesus teach on the Sermon on the Mount. And so the accounts are, are eyewitnesses. And, and the eyewitnesses are always the most powerful account. If ever they're looking for uh, witnesses in a court case, someone who heard something about somebody who was there, perhaps, is much less powerful than someone who was like, no, no, I saw it. This is what I saw. And so um, the Bible often includes names of people who were there and it lent credibility because if you wondered about those events, you could go ask that person. So for instance, Luke 8. Soon afterwards, he went to the cities and villages proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, the twelve disciples, and some of the women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, who from, from whom seven demons had gone out. Joanna, um, the wife of Chuz, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their needs. This lent credibility. So if you doubted what happened, you're like, wait, Mary Magdalene, oh, we know her. Let's go ask her. And so very quickly, the accounts of the Gospels could have been disproven if they were false because of asking the eyewitness, um, the eyewitness testimony that were there. And so if they didn't believe it, hey, you could go, you could go and see. And the authors of the, of the Bibles were people who had firsthand account or were very close associates of those who were, had firsthand account, which is one of the reasons why God's Word is closed. We're not adding books because there's no longer eyewitness accounts of people who are inspired by God to write. And so we know that what was written were written by eyewitnesses. But I don't know if this gives you pause or not, but we do not have the original copies of God's Word. The original words that were written down by Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, all of them, we don't have those copies because they were written on things that, that passed away. What we have are copies and copies of copies. And so the question is, well, how, how reliable can these, can these be? Actually, quite reliable. The way that they were made is if we were in here and we were going to copy a, a section of Scripture. Usually when you're sitting in a class, if you're like me, you listen and you write down mostly what is said. Sort of. The main idea. I kind of put it in my, you know, sort of summary. That's not how they copied Scripture. They copied Scripture letter by letter by letter so that at the end of the time that what is on my sheet is identical to what's on your sheet. And when they're finished, they go through and they check it letter by letter that if somehow along the way, if one of us dozed off, got distracted, switched some letters, figured whatever, well, your, your copy of that particular page is out because it's not... It's not perfect. It's not right. And the way that we know that is that we have hundreds of copies that are virtually identical. And so if, if someone wasn't here today and, and all of you left and you said the same story, this is what Chad said today. Chad said this exactly. And all of you said the same thing. Could we verify that that's probably what I said. 
Yeah, because we have a multitude of people saying the same thing. And so we have hundreds of copies that are essentially identical. And so we know, looking back, that this is what was, was written. Um, what about the accuracy? How accurate is it compared to, to other books? So according to, to uh, Norman Geisler and, and, and William Nix, the New Testament has a 99.5% purity rate in terms of accuracy. Better accuracy than any other well-known book. And if you compare it to, to other, um, other uh, books in, of, of ancient history, for instance, Homer's Iliad um, was... There's a gap, it's written about 800 BC, the earliest copy we have, the latest copy we have is about 400, so there's about a 400 year time gap. And, and we have about 1700 sections or, or copies. Um, Herodias' history, we've got you know, a, 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 a time gap of about 1300 years and there's 109 copies. And we're not, we're not asking questions about those. No one says those aren't, aren't true. If you look at the New Testament, um, the, the time gap in terms of years the, is about 40 years. We have copies that are, or partial copies, that are about 40 years from when they were written. And we have over 5,700 copies of Scripture portions or all of Scripture. And so we're able to verify and see, yes, that what was written hundreds and thousands of years ago was true. Next question we need to ask is, what if, what if people made up the story? So like, like Jesus was real, and they, they wrote down what, what, they, what, you know, what, what they think they saw, and it was copied accuracy, but what if people made up the stories, right? So if you think about like a couple middle, I'm thinking middle school boys, I don't, I don't know why, I, probably because I have one. So middle school boys, right, they, they say, all right, something happens, and we don't want to really tell that story, we want to tell a different story to our parents. Right? And so, so because we don't really want the truth, so we're going to come up with a different story. And they all come up with the story, and they agree on the story, and they tell the story. How long does that last? Probably not too long, right? right we see that with, the, with the, the Watergate issue, right? They all made up a story. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't last very long. Um, there's two problems with, with saying that, that the stories were made up about Jesus. The first one is, um, the stories are pretty embarrassing for the disciples. If we were to conspire and to come up with a story of what happened, we would look pretty good, right? The disciples would look pretty good. The disciples in Scripture often look like a bunch of fools, right? Peter saying, I am with you. I walked on the water. I'm with you. I will not deny you. I will be true to you always right three times three people one of them a young girl asked him hey aren't you with him no no not me right they scattered nobody was at the cross the second thing and this is more compelling to me is is they died for their stories if we made up a story we just kind of wanted to get into you're actually going to threaten to actually kill me and follow through and we know that all of the disciples but one were executed for their faith and John they just put on an island and just let him play survivor by himself and just left him there each of these men died for the story that they told it had to have been true they died martyrs deaths they're not exaggerations so we know that 
The Bible is true. It's shown with evidence. It's shown with experience. It's shown in the, in the origin. Let, let me give you a couple, couple pointers. So as a parent, how do we help our children live with the conviction of, of God's Word? These aren't rocket science, but I'm going to tell you they're going to challenge us. First one is, live your life according to God's Word. Ask the question earlier, where do you see yourself and your children? And there's moments where we do and we're like, all right, that's cool. But then there's other times that you're like, oh no, I'm doing what, oh well, is that what I look like? Do I really, I mean, really, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a better driver, like I'm, I'm careful, right? I'm, oh, I'm not. I really say that? That's what I look like? That's what I say? That's how, oh, you know, and so um, our children will imitate what they see. So make decisions around God's Word, using your family's time, money, energy to be honoring and obeying to, to God's Word. For instance, it says in, in, in Hebrews to not give up meeting together, to not get in the habit of not being with the body gathered in church, and yet the average churchgoer once or twice a month. God's Word talks about giving regularly to the work of God. Do that and let your children know, yeah, we do. We are a regular tither. I say to my kids, when, the, when, when we go to church, you never see me putting money in the plate or in the box. And the reason is, is I've set it up electronically because here's what I found, Ethan, Sophia, Josiah. When I have to remember something every week, I forget and I want to make sure that I'm a regular giver. So I've set it up for me so that I don't forget. Now, would it be more spiritual and probably a better worship experience for me to bring my offering and put in the plate? Probably. But I'm choosing regularity over this worship experience because I forget. I have a hard time finding my keys. I have a little tile on my keys to find my keys. I probably don't need to be trying to remember my tithe every week. Let's do that regularly. And so I tell them that stuff. I'm open with them about that. Um, lead your children to do the same. We, we talk about this just in terms of development. And so like preschool parents, you are directing everything for your child. Yes, we're putting these shoes on right now and we're leaving right now, right? As they get older, it becomes different. And we're training them, and, and I have a son who's going away to college, and so I need to have, been, have taught some things so that he's doing some of these rhythms on his own. And, and in some ways, I kind of begin requiring less, but suggesting a whole lot more because I want it to, to be his. And so don't just do it yourself so that this is mom and dad's faith, and that's what they do, but lead your children in those same things. And then a third thing is show your children where it is in God's Word. Not just say, it's in the Bible somewhere. I was with a, with a friend recently who has a, a child who is a young adult who walked away from the Lord a bit and has recently gotten back into the Word. And he said, you know, Mom, I've been, I've been reading Scripture and that stuff that you've always said, it's actually in here. Like he's finding it now. And it made me think, man, I need to be showing my children this is why I live and this is where it is so that they see, oh, it is in God's Word. It's not just this thing that Dad made up that he says is in the Word, but it's actually there. So show them where it is. Look at it together. 
help them base their life on God's word. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to be cross-cultural. You are going to be different. You're going to be a little strange because very few people do it. Only those who, who love Jesus are going to be willing to, to make some, some hard choices. And so live with conviction and lead your children to as well. And so let me pray for you. Then we have some, some time you can discuss together. Lord God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you have revealed yourself in your word. You have shown us what is true and what is right and what is good in your word. God, I thank you that you had people write it down. Lord, that those, those writings were by people who saw it, who were eyewitnesses, who you revealed truth to personally and you guided them along. And Father, thank you for taking care of the process of copying it over many hundreds and in some cases thousands of years so that we today can hold a copy of your word in our hands and that that word continues to, to speak to us. God, I pray that you would help us to live by it, to make decisions for our, in, ourselves and our families through it and by it. But also, Lord, I pray that we would be strengthened by you to, to lead our children in it and that our children would come to know and love you and follow your word as well. God, give us strength in these days as they are challenging um, and help us to, uh, to care for one another and support each other in this, this journey of parenting. God, thank you for this time together. Um, and Lord, we look to you to, to lead us this week. God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. for listening to the Parent Gathering Podcast. We invite you to join us at 9.30 on Sunday mornings in room 215, where we will have opportunities for discussion among other parents. For more information about Living Hope Next Gen Ministries, go to livehopeful.com.